Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. All right, let me welcome in somebody who wants to get in on the conversation. I see her. I see her. So unmute yourself, madam. Uh, she is a prognosticator. I'm going to just tell you. She, she, her stats, her, she knows some stuff. She's a political scientist, elections analyst. Uh, she's been right about a lot of things. So we're going to bring her in because she wants to talk about this too, because I love her, love her, uh, her commentary and what she has to say. Let me welcome back to the show, the one and only Strike Pack, Rachel Bittercoffer. Welcome. Hello. Former, former Strike Pack fame. I, I uh, should update you on, on that. I, I left the Strike Pack in, in April so that I could directly uh, work more on Democratic messaging stuff. <laughs> you know, and they need it, right? What? <laughs> I said they need it. I'm glad you're doing it because I think they, they have a problem with messaging. I was just reading somewhere where the DNC, they were funding, they're funding in Michigan a Republican mm-hmm. <laughs> because the other Republican running in the primary is a Donald Trump person. So they're backing, they're putting money behind the opponent of the Trump uh, person. And I'm like, should the DNC be using DNC money to do that, Rachel? Is that good? So like, I have an answer for like right now. And then I have like my, like the normal answer, right? Like the normal answer is definitely no, right? You never really want to play with fire. I'm not a big fan of playing with fire, you know? Um, oh, let's hope that Donald Trump wins the presidential nomination because America will never give the presidency to that moron, right? <laughs> so like, you know, I mean, because I understand America, unlike many, many people on the left, I understand real America. I never like to give them the option to do crazy shit like that, okay? But here's the thing, I will tell you, like I, you know, I was like thinking, should I complain about that strategy or not? And I looked at, you know, here's the thing. We can, this is this is it. I mean, there's no like there's no next time, right? It's it's in terms of Congress and at these two elections, 22 and 24, they roll together. Like there is no next time if we don't get it right right here. And so I ultimately I decided that district got redistricted to be more favorable for Democrats. And Meyer was a problem. He's a very, very strong incumbent. Okay. So given that it's going to take a miracle for us to hit 218 in the house. And it will be 218 if we're lucky, right? Then, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is desperate times, desperate measures. <laughs> All right, so break it down. Uh, you are a numbers person and remind people what your expertise is in terms of data analysis as it relates to uh, politics. Sure. Before I left to form Strike Pack, which was a, an effort to lay, you know, use a super PAC to kind of demonstrate messaging reform techniques, um, I was an academic and at a think tank, and and my entire national trajectory was based on on analyzing and, and and forecasting elections. That's really where I started. It was part of my research agenda at my university, and mostly I was um, I was inspired to do it because I would be reading the Crystal Ball or um, Dave Watt, the Cook Political Report, or even you know Nate Silver or Nate Cohen, and there was no they did not they were not. They were not. They had not been briefed on the on how pol- uh, on number one that polarization, <laughs> because it is a quantifiable characteristic through the public and elites and all these other things. Like it's causing behavioral change that causes um, election analysis to to alter. So I was really motivated to um, to to push the conversation up to the reality of of how polarized. Pro- 
um, a polarized system functions electorally because it is distinct from what we saw in the 90s or even in the early 2000s. So um, 866-801-8255, I'm going to give out the number because Rachel has been right every time because the numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. They just don't, right? Um, I knew spiritually that Trump could win because I know America. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> I, know I'm, I know how. Well, of course you do, girl. I mean, come on. You're yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I live in this reason country. you guys know real America better yes. than people yes. need me. Black people know. <laughs> we know. But even black people are in denial. Like, there's no way. Those, I'm like, 75% of white folks self-segregate. They don't, they they are good with way the way things are. You are crazy if you don't think they would vote for Donald Trump. And I was correct. You were correct because of the numbers. Let's take where we are now. You said 2022 and 24. I think you're absolutely correct. Spiritually, I know you're right. What happens in November will determine what happens in 2024. They are connected, joined at the hip. Now, the Senate and the House right now are in the hands of the Democrats, which the Democrats, which will allow Joe Biden as president to maybe get some things done. I'm, I'm doing like this eh, because the Senate is 50-50, but you got Manchin and Cinema, who are the reverse of rhinos. They are dinos, I guess, Democrats in name only. They do what their um, their handlers and their the benefactors tell them to do. In Joe Manchin's case, the coal industry. So we don't really have 50-50. When I say we, I'm talking humanity, not Democrats and Republicans, because I don't get caught up in political ideology. We don't have 50-50 in the Senate, really. Team democracy. Yep. Team democracy. Okay. Yep. So right now you you're tell us where we are with the house, how many seats are up and what do the numbers tell you is going to happen in November? Yeah, no, I'm really happy to. So, and you know, frankly, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something a little bit different than I would have told you even 24 hours ago, which was, you know, the, so when we think about in the House, we call these midterm elections, by the way, because they happen in the middle of the presidential four-year term. Okay, so it's middle of the presidential term and all 435 seats in the House go up every two years. Okay, we can come back on the show one day and talk about how that is actually part of our problem. Okay, Um, but only a third of the Senate goes up on each calendar rotation. And this time we're just very lucky that the Senate map is favorable to us potentially picking up seeds, even though the fundamental, which is in party, out party, you know, we have the incumbent president on the Democratic side is against us. And what we learned from the Kansas situation, I was watching the you know, data come in and the activities. This is the first time we've seen Democrats coalesce around effective messaging strategy, hammer it with fear and threat, not you know, bullshit policy stuff and really organize themselves, I think, effectively to win both the, the argument and the and the like the heat, right? The passion. So um, what we learned in that was like I was looking at it, I was like, maybe they might be able to actually pull this out. Like it will be really close that they can they might be able to do it. I mean, look at this registration data. And so it's not just that that is not what happened, that they blew it out. If we had been seeing them pull it close, maybe they lost by a point or two or they won by a point or two, I'd be talking about how this is the first sign of life we've seen in the electorate. And like, this is a really positive sign for Democrats to beat these fundamentals. But because they whopped their asses so bad with it, like, I mean, it was an ass whopping, dude. That's a good old fashioned ass whopping. It's actually much more 
suggestive that the energy, the angst factor on the left, because of Roe especially, but also because of the Jan 6 stuff, is high still, very high. And it can be reanimated with the with the right strategy. And that really is what it's going to come down to for us in 2022. The Democratic coalition, which includes our independent leaners, is the one that constru- con- expands and contracts between presidential cycles and midterm cycles. And I'll just tell you guys, in the data, we see that biggest contraction come from minority voting populations and from uh, young people. But mo- now it's more Latino voter because African-American voting pop uh, has gotten so good, right? You guys are killing it because you don't want to fucking live in a shithole fascist hellhole, right? So... Um, <laughs> So in any case, like what what we're looking at now is a favorable Senate map and potentially the kind of dynamics we would need to hold the House. And these are two holds, guys, that are absolutely critical because you may not love what comes out of Congress, but I can guarantee you if you knew what I knew about polarization and especially the GOP, like, um, you know, strategy of opposition government denying the majority any victory, then you would feel pretty good about what they've managed to do with two votes that are, you know, in centrist states or whatever, right? They, they have managed to get quite a bit done considering that we're, we're really trying to hold on to the bag and keep our clothes from falling off right now. So Obama, President Obama was elected in 2008. The midterms happened. The backlash was, we got a black president. Let, let's, let's deny him everything. Yeah. Make him a one-term president. And we're going to now have a strategy. Let's bring these weird people with tea bags on their hats and don't tread on me. Let's, let's galvanize all of the wackos and the races. Let's get them you know, together because we, they, they see the boogeyman now and he's a black man and it happened. And we yeah. told you it could happen that black people are going to raise up and they're going to be in power and they're going to enslave us. And they're going to yeah. take your children. They're going to do all of these things. And they're going to rape people. Birth of a nation. They were yeah. right. And people showed up. They no got passionate about it. And he lost the Congress, right? Yeah. And was, you know, but got reelected, which was interesting, right? And yeah, well, because in 2012, you know, Obama was the stomp on the stomp, and he was the he was the thing, right? In 2010, like, and you know, luckily, I think the Democratic Party starting to figure this fucking thing out, right? In 2010, they wouldn't let Obama come and campaign instead of leaning in to the fact that that. For 50 years, we had been trying to reform health care. And the moment that Obamacare was signed, the system improved for everyone, even if they're too, like, you know, not informed to know it improved for them, okay? And they should have been running on this major monumental achievement for the progressive base, and they should have been tying themselves as closely as possible to, to Obama, because it doesn't matter if, 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 if the opposition says, hey, don't vote for Democrats because they're with Obama and Obama sucks, and then your message is, yeah, God, I don't know that guy, when then what, what you're, you're doing, number one, is you're screwing yourself electorally, but number two, you're reinforcing Republican branding against you, the party, the president that leads your party, and it's so devastatingly bad to do. Now, Joe Biden's not Barack Obama. Right. By that, I mean... Um... 
He's not Barack Obama. There's nothing sexy about him. He's gaff, gaff, gaff all day long. Get COVID twice, you know, fall off a bike, you know, he'll say some things. And his approval rating's in the toilet. So having him out there is not necessarily helpful because so many people look at him as doddering and, you know, a curmudgeon. So how, how you know, so how big is Roe v. Wade? First, let me just stay, stay there. How big an impact is the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Do you it, what did the numbers say, Rachel Bittercoffer? Well, num- I will say this too. Number, I put this out on my sub stack if people want to read it. You can do it for free, so don't subscribe unless you have lots of money to waste. Um, but anyway, you can read, and, and I talk about why why is Biden less popular data wise than Donald Trump, right? When by any objective standard, you know, they're <laughs> Biden's doing quite good. He's very stable, and Donald Trump was a hot mess the whole time. And I walk through. Listen, guys, it's because of the of how polarization is asymmetric. So so it's much worse on the right than it is on the left, which is why the right is ready to overthrow the government. <laughs> but one of the ways that it matters is on the on the left, we there's still a chunk of, of of the of people who would identify with Democrats or lean independent lean towards Democrats who are willing to say I'm I'm mad at Joe Biden. Okay, Uh, that doesn't mean that they won't vote for Joe Biden. It just means that unlike with Republican um, survey respondents, we saw this the entire Trump tenure. It was always 90 percent approved. It doesn't matter what the hell he had done. dude. He could have he could have, you know, burned a village down and he would have had 90 10 approval with Republicans. But when you look at Biden, he's at 80 20. And that's because that polarization, hyperpartisan tribalism is less on this side of the aisle. 866-801-8255. I don't want to, you know, hog, hog up. Uh, I love talking to you because, you know, it's uh, straight no chaser. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it raw. You're going to get it real. Um, and again, it's about the numbers, you know, so you remove the emotion from it. People can be emotional about what you're saying, but you are looking at data and your data has not been wrong thus far. So, how what percentage point would you say the overturn of Roe v. Wade will, you know, impact? You talked about Kansas. What- I think the best way to explain it, honestly, girls, is this. OK, if it wasn't for the evisceration of Roe v. Wade, something that Mitch McConnell was probably spent all night crying into his pillow about happening, as I tweeted about that night, I was like, there's nobody in America right now more sad about Roe being overturned than Mitch McConnell, because it is going to change the dynamics, right? So if it had never happened, ladies, what I'd be I'd be doing now on all my media and everywhere I go is telling people the hard truth, right? It's going to take a miracle. We're probably going to lose both chambers. And maybe we can hold on to Michigan and Pennsylvania governorships and have 2024 be a free and fair election if we're lucky. Now, because of Roe, what I suspected was it was going to be of such titan, it had to be a tight. Keep in mind the Jan Six stuff doesn't move public opinion or activism. The way, pause, pause, and say yeah. that because I've been saying that. I don't yeah. think people give a damn. Everyone that's tuning in, millions of people, there's a lot of numbers of people watching it. Those are there's like a hundred million people that didn't vote, right? So, and they're mm-hmm. not watching it, no. or they're watching Fox, which is spinning it a different kind of way because that's the number. No, they're not even covering it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, the, so, the, the 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 take on the right from all the conservative media ecosystem the whole time for Jan Six 
commission has been, it's a total bunk. They can't even find any notable witnesses. And that's what they tell their viewers and their viewers who psychologically don't want to be made feel bad. They don't go and look to try to prove it wrong, right? So it, it is, you know, it, it, so, so here's what I will tell you. The difference with abortion versus Jan 6 is that women personally are affected by that. And, and liberals really hate when I tell them this, but no one's like us, okay? Like ideologically, like we are about 10, 15% of the electorate. And, and therefore, like the way to move you two, Jerry and, and Karen, I'm gonna give a message about the collective good and how this is important to do for people who are disadvantaged or whatever, right? Because you care about the collective and can be motivated out of, like regardless of self-interest, but 85% of people, Okay, people are less inclined that way than we are, number one, and will respond better when it's a me incentive, when it's a direct threat to them or their own in-group. And that's why I tell people as I do this messaging revolution, and especially when audiences like that, like, like, um, like this, what I want to explain to people is like, listen, the, the way the right does their electioneering messaging is it's one mission. There's one mission, win shit, dude. Okay. And that's why they, they went full racist against Obama. We can see it in the data, racism and sexism, much more than in economic factors detect, uh, determine Trump voting, especially for the de-aligning part of the electorate that could like swung to Trump. So it was racism and sexism, not economics. And um, given that we know about people, like when they want to make an ad, it's about winning shit. When we want to make an ad, we're like, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to win a race, but we also want to make sure we're we, we inc we're including everybody. We got to be inclusive and, and make sure we max representation. And I, you know, is no, I'm a fucking true blue liberal, okay? And I a hundred percent am on team you guys, right? Like in terms of white supremacy, white privilege, all of it, right? But at the end of the day, like we have to move people who don't, who are not us, right? So we should design messaging for one purpose, beating the shit out of the Republican Party electorally. We can do messaging that is dual-purposed or tri-purposed tri and in, in about inclusiveness and representation when it's, when it's other contexts. But when, it, when it's about moving votes to the polls and for us, especially within that conversion pool, we should be hammering people you know, women are going to die instead of pregnant pe people, people who can become pregnant. I mean, it's six words to say women, right? So we, I mean, I, I, I'm sensitive to those things, but my goal is to make us take the hard medicine because we're facing fascism. So if we can, if we can move voters to the polls by convincing suburban women, which are no longer white women, when I say suburban women, I'm just talking about suburban women, we should, we need to freak them out about their reproductive freedom about their own control of their body about you know having equal uh protection under the law and um you know it is true that the people who are going to suffer are poor women and women of color this is absolutely true but the best way that we can serve them is by beating the shit out of the republicans electorally getting the policy power that we need and then enacting the policies that are going to make a difference in people's lives. So that's what motivates me and the um, messaging strategies that I bring to bear. Okay. Um, so as long as 
a single individual woman feels like her individual rights are going to be up for grabs. She's going to take her ass to the poll no and, shit. Not, and not vote for Donald Trump uh, people. Uh, all right. I got it. 866-801-8255. Rachel Bittacoffer is here. She is, of course, uh, an elections analyst and a political scientist. Where do you teach? I don't teach anywhere anymore. I used to be a professor. I left my academic job and went to a think tank for a few months in the, during 2020. And then I left both of those in the entire research trajectory so that I could um, help Democrats stop losing shit we should win. I mean, we should have gained House seats in 2020. It should have been the entire message from Biden all the way down to the state legislature should have been, look at the shit show of a political party, right? They're killing 4,000 people a day. They're telling you you can't have any more economic relief. Like you should vote these motherfuckers. <laughs> and like, we never did that, dude. Like we never did that. So that's why I left academia and I was like, all right, well, it seems impossible, but I'm going to infiltrate the democratic messaging like world and I'm going to retool it to be offensive and attack Republicans mercilessly. I love offensive. <laughs> it is my motto, <laughs> you know, because when you're coming at somebody, they're on their heels and they, they have to figure out how to defend, which is the problem, right? So Republicans are offensive since Lee Atwater, since maybe before Lee Atwater, before Lee Atwater, they've always been on the offense. They've always understood, okay, voter suppression works, you know, uh, yeah. the, the head of the moral majority. We don't have to, you know, when, when voting goes down, we win. That is always their strategy. Let me, let me suppress, suppress, let me disenfranchise, let me piss off some people. It's, it's never about serving. And right. unfortunately, those of us who care, we want to serve. So yes. let's serve offensively. Let's yeah, be I actually that. tweeted about that. I was like, dude, I know everyone's really pissed at all the Democratic politicians and, you know, party figures that don't have, like Biden's not, um, he's not a bulldog, okay? <laughs> like, I, I know, like, people are pissed about that and they they want to see passion, right? But at the end of the day, like, what we what we need is to stop letting Republicans strategically box us into defense, right? Mm -hmm. And we must always, if we put them on, and you saw what happened, the one time that we've ever seen this happen, and I had nothing to do with this, but like I watched it happen with America, and that was the John Ossoff debate against David Perdue in Georgia. Because what Ossoff did he just didn't, he did not engage in the matrix, right? So he's like, no, like, you know, you're, you know, corrupt, how much money have you made off of insider training? Every time Purdue tried to do his little GOP song and dance, you know, Ossoff just cut it, like cut right through it and was like, boom, pivot and attack, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's I, I am, I operate every day under assumption that the, that the people that we're up against, the system that we're fighting right now is not only dangerous for Americans, it's a dangerous for the entire world, it's the world's most, I mean, we just blew up that dude in Afghanistan <laughs> with, a, about that. with a cool ass missile with blades that <laughs> pop out of it, dude. With a drone. I was thinking, <laughs> oh, so we, we got that kind of work. I'm wondering why is any, why is Ukraine still happening? Okay. I was just wondering, so we could just blow people up with drones and we did that. And, but at the same time, Rachel, we didn't care. Like America's over the Taliban. I feel like yes. most Americans are not invested anymore in the Taliban being a boogeyman when the boogeyman is somebody that's going to ride into Buffalo and, and take out your yes. grandmother or go into a school and take out babies, six-year-olds in Uvalde, Texas. Shit. 
Yeah. So, yeah. so the Taliban is not the boogeyman. The boogeyman's in America. The homegrown no terrorists is way scarier for us. So that we did that, I'm, I'm feeling like we're we're doing 1990s and 2000s politics. Well, we took out the Taliban. Like that's not motivating anybody yeah. to come vote for you, sir. I'm sorry. We yeah, dude, I, I I feel you, man. I mean, I can't even fucking imagine, to be honest with you, what it's like to be black in America right now. I mean, I know that I'm better at emphasizing with that situation than most white women are. And it's because I've, you know, I'm number one, I'm not an asshole. Number two, I've had a lot of weird life experience. So I've hung out in some weird shit and I've seen some weird shit in my time. I know what's up with the police officers. I know how they operate. So, um, you know, I... What I will tell you is this, I'm motivated by the fact that I understand if we fail and they take power, they're going to use it to seize permanent power and the people will die. And those people will be the people who cannot get away. Okay. It will be poorer people. It's going to be people of color and it, we owe it. We fucking owe it (laughs) not to let that happen, not to let that happen. And if I have to appeal to the electorate in certain ways that that are untraditional for leftist type advertising in order to ensure that these people do not seize power, then I'm going to do it. Well, I'm dependent on you to do it, uh, Rachel. Uh, you you have to be our, uh, yeah, you know, you have to John Brown this. Rachel Bittacoffer, you have to be the John Brown uh, minus uh, you not being here. Uh, question. <laughs> I I feel like, and I'm going to give out the number, 866-801-8255. You're listening to the Karen Hunter Show. Uh, Dr. Jerry is here as well. She said her brain is spinning. You know, Rachel's dropping a lot, but she always, you know, it's, it's, I promise you it's truth. It's based on numbers. She knows what she's talking about. Should Biden, this is my dream. All right. So I, I had a dream that Biden would pick Kamala Harris. I actually said it way before the election that mm-hmm. that would be the ticket that would win. I said Biden should, you know, cough, tap out. I'm, you know, I'm tired. Hand the baton over. And let Kamala Harris run so she can be her full self, because right now I feel like she's been addled as vice president. I don't like the way she looks as vice president, president at all. Or she should resign and run against him, which would be badass. No, we can't have that. that. No, I don't <laughs> I'm with you, though. I love the plan. Let's go with uh, what, President what? Kamala. You know, I put a New York Times op-ed before the election, before he selected and said, Biden needs Kamala Harris or Stacey Abrams on that ticket with him. <laughs> one yep. of the two. Yep. And I don't care which. I agree. Now, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, there, there's circles where Vice President Harris doesn't, she doesn't resonate with Black people, which is interesting. Um, I also understand it. Uh, Howard notwithstanding, because we also, we know some things, right, about us. That said, should Biden resign? Should somebody else, run, should he hand the baton to someone in 2024, you know, um, and do it gracefully and talk about, the, you know, I got us here. You know, we we defeated fascism. We beat it back. Now it's time for new, fresh energy. I'm 90,000 years old. It's time for somebody new and fresh to take the baton. And I bestow that to Vice President Harris, because that's the only person you can give it to right now. What are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you this. I'm not going to answer that directly for and I've got reasons, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you kind of like a, a roundabout. Wait, let me just say, I appreciate you. I love that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I'm going to give you bullshit, I'm going to tell you, Hey, I'm serving you some bullshit. dude. 
<laughs> All right. Here's the thing. Uh, this is what I would say. I would say if you intend to run Joe Biden again, you are doing no favors to him right now, right? You want him out there the way that he should be governing as is if he is going to be a one-termer, that he that his only objective is to stabilize the country. And then if that sets him up for a second run, great. <laughs> but if it doesn't, if he can't do that, then I really do wonder if we're going to be, if he's going to consider not running because, you know, there, I will tell you this, when you try to please everybody, you please nobody, Absolutely. right? And I know that temperamentally Biden isn't a pit bull, okay? But, you know, sometimes we got to do shit we're not good at. Sometimes we got to step up and fill some weaknesses that we don't, we aren't generally, you know, um, designed to fill. So, you know, I, it's hard to say what kind of advice he gets because presidents are so conditioned on the advising teams around them. But if I was advising him, this is what I would say to Joe Biden. This is your Winston Churchill moment. Make no mistake about it. There may not be an evading force waiting on the other side of the channel to come and and, uh, and take over the country. There's an internal enemy fully capable of ending the American experiment just as readily and putting all of us into a controlled one party system very quickly. He He's right now more Chamberlain than he is um, yes. uh, Churchill in terms of his rhetoric and posture. And it has not served him well. If I was advising him, I would have said, when you're giving a, a, a inauguration acceptance speech in a closed capital, the first time we haven't been able to inaugurate the president in front of a crowd, I think ever, right? Um, under, under armed guard after an, a, a violent insurrection on the Capitol, that's probably the moment to say, listen, I've spent months on the stomp and I have all of these great things that I want to accomplish for America, but I'm going to be real with you guys. This is a fucking mess, right? We just had the outgoing president try to disrupt the transfer of power and we have a lot of stuff that we're going to be sorting out. So, you know, I wanted to run and think about student loans and all these other things, climate, blah, 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 but Right now, the ship is breaking apart, and my job is to hold on to the ship, right? Steer the ship, you know? Uh, why <laughs> so let's see if, if maybe that all. can get to him yeah. somehow, you know? <laughs> uh, you need to run for president. All right. What mm -hmm. state? We had we had a primary uh, in several states yesterday. Uh, you brought up Kansas. What what other good news and what other states do you do you see being pivotal in 2022 where we can pick up is Charles Booker? Does he have a shot? Does Gary Chambers have a shot? The, you know, where are we going to pick up? Will, will Warnock fend off a whole ass in Herschel Walker? Will he be able to maintain his seat? Will Stacey Abrams get that governor's seat, even though I feel like she has an even bigger uphill battle, despite all of the people she got? registered to vote, then they did a number through the state legislature to suppress. Yep. It's yep. crazy. I, I will say, though, that Stacey Abrams was just shown last night the pathway to winning that race, right, and closing that gap with Warnock, because she's, right now, Warnock's going to win because Herschel Walker is literally the world's, world's worst candidate ever in the history of running for political office, okay? I mean, I can't think of one that's been nominated for a major office that is worse than Herschel 
Walker and Donald Trump included in that. Okay. At the act of like dealing with getting elected. Right? Um, so we're very lucky about that because I don't think we would see this discrepancy in the data between the two of them. If it wasn't for that fact that they have nominated somebody who cannot do the job. Right. So what I would tell Stacey Abrams, who I, I love a lot and really want to see win, I would say to that team that, you know, now how to do what you need to do to win and it's wedge abortion and make it about fundamental freedom and rights and big government overreach and you know speak language that can you know even conserve some conservatives can so can some conservative women can understand because conservative women are just like the rest of us a lot of them are guys they are against abortion they have always been but what they call on-demand abortion okay they're they're against us you know people going out and having one night stands and getting an abortion once the rubber hits the road, though, and it stops being some like hypothetical baby and no defined like circumstance, and it's women, married women who have an ecotopic pregnancy, who are going to have to be forced to carry four months, a, a dead fetus inside of them. It's a whole different moral situation. And I really hope that the Abrams team and the Beto team down in Texas recognize when, you, when you've got this You've got, if Kansas can do that, now granted, a lot of those people that did vote for no would not vote for a Democratic candidate because partisanship matters, but there's some of them. There's obviously a weakness there within that college-educated Republican, especially woman electorate, and Stacey Abrams, that could be her flank. Okay. All right. Uh, predictions, 2020. <laughs> oh, was, is that your dog? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hey, Fido, stop it. What, what is his name, Rachel? Let me, I'll tell, Rachel's going to go handle that. All right, tell that dog. I'll tell that dog to come in. All right. <laughs> Just look, she got to get up. Oh, it's more than one. It's two of them. <laughs> one of them's wilding out, though. One of them's like, listen, give me a treat. Give me a biscuit. You have been on this thing too long. That's right. so funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 2022 predictions. Tell me. So this. This is what I care about. I care about beating back the Republican Party from control of one of these chambers. So I'm looking at a 51-218 strategy that is designed to maximize the probability of holding on to control when we are the in party and the fundamentals work against us. Okay. So I like where we're hot though on pickups. I mean, the Senate map is completely hot because we've got Pennsylvania and we've got Wisconsin and they are both very vulnerable. I mean, Johnson is Johnson on Johnson, right? And Ben Winkler runs the Wisconsin Dems. So that gives me hope. And then, you know, we're already seeing in the data the Fetterman effect, right? I mean, Fetterman is, uh, has a little contentious history there, I realize, but in the purpose oh, of no. winning- it's a, it's a no-brainer. Him yeah, or no brainer. who lives in New Jersey yeah. and who's a whole totally. ass- yeah, I asked. Yes. No, I like I like that. I think Pennsylvania, I think Fetterman is going to get that as well. Where else do you see? OK, uh, so then we've got the problem of holding the two seats down in Arizona and Georgia. And we have to hold those two if we want to gain two to be able to end the filibuster. Right. So we have to hold them both. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take full frontal fire on both of those races. And I don't think the Kelly campaign will you know, struggle nearly as much. Um I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Walker is so bad <laughs> that I, you know, I, I mean, I really do think Ke- Kelly might Walker, If Herschel Walker wins over Raphael Warnock, uh, Georgia deserves to fall yes. into 
ocean um, and never, you know, in all of the strip clubs with them. That's how I feel like Georgia should be ashamed of itself. uh, No doubt. Well, and and you know what, let me tell you this guys, it just, it underscores just how fucking internalized the racism is on the right. Okay. Because like, think about what Herschel Walker is for them. Okay, for them, he's it is the it is the recognition that all the tropes that they say about black people, they believe that shit. Right. Because what did they go and do? They were like, oh, black people will vote for Herschel Walker because he's a football player and he's black. They think black voters are this reduced you know, uh, trope, racist trope that they've created in their own minds. And then, you know, to, to go and recruit this man who's so, in, you know, so unqualified, all the shit that they bitch about with affirmative action and merit and this and that, dude, it is so grossly perverse to me that, yeah, I'll be very upset of Georgia Alex Herschel Walker. Okay. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, closer to midterms, we're going to have you back frequently because uh, we need to activate folk is yes. there a primary right now that you're concerned about uh coming up is there a primary florida we just had uh nikki freed on does she have a chance so i don't know who i mean i haven't been looking at that the radar because i try to stay out of the primaries obviously okay. right okay, like my goal my goal is uh, you know always mission mission focused girl save democracy okay. Okay. so i need people to like me and the one way to make people like everyone everyone to like me and it's like the one way to start getting people to not like you is to engage in primary nomination okay (laughs) all right we'll come back uh i'll see you in november uh close to november and uh we're gonna have we're gonna suss out what we need to do and activate rachel you're always um a pleasure i appreciate you we can do this together we're gonna do this together or we're gonna go down swinging one of the two Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and your big dogs too. Rachel. Yep. Right. Yes. It's we'll so nice to meet you, Jerry. <laughs> I love you, Rachel. Rachel was cool. I told oh Karen, God. I need to sign up for Rachel's class. Oh, dude. I, my brain was I, going. I got a book coming for everybody, man. I, I wish I could have gotten famous enough to get it published in time for this cycle, because again, these are two cycles that are together in my mind, but I, I couldn't. So it's going to come out in 23 and, it, and it's, and it's called hit them where hit them where it hurts, how to save democracy by beating Republicans at the same, at their at their own game. And it, it's going to go through a lot of the shit that we talked about today and a lot more in the front end and the back end is going to be all practical stuff. How do we train people to not get tricked into a defensive posture, you know, media training, all kinds of stuff so that we can win. You know, unfortunately, we have a very rough clay to to work with in in terms of the American electorate, but we got to meet it where it is. We can bitch and moan about it, or we can just meet it where it is. And that's what my plan is. Amen. And of course, you'll be back when the book is out and before. So we can (laughs) better it. Rachel, thank you again. Bless you. Thank you. When we come back, guys. Stay safe, please. Yes. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.